Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. Good morning and welcome to Jazz Shapers. It's where the shapers of business join the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. Today, I'm very pleased to say we have a Jazz Shapers encore. As returning to the show is the one and only true pioneer of big data. And we're going to remind ourselves what big data is. It's Edwina Dunn, now OBE, as of 2019, I think. And she last joined me, would you believe it, in 2013. Edwina is the co-founder of data science company Dunn Humby former chair of StarCamp, which uses data to help brands connect emotionally with customers. And since we spoke as well, she's only gone and founded The Female Lead, a foundation celebrating the achievements and diversity of women. Beginning in the back bedroom of Edwina and her husband Clive's home, Dunhumby revolutionised the world of retail and consumer goods, inventing new ways to use customer data and creating, of course, the Tesco Club Card and other global loyalty programmes. For over three decades, can you believe it, her innovations have empowered leading global brands to better understand consumer behaviour and talk to customers in a more personal and relevant way. In 2015, after much experience of male-dominated boardrooms, Edwina launched the educational charity The Female Lead to increase women's visibility. As Edwina says, it made me realise that it's very hard to be what you can't see. Offering alternative role models to young girls and inspiring the next generation of leaders, they've also published in February this year a groundbreaking gender pay study concluding that women are socially conditioned to feel unentitled and therefore paid less. This led to their Close the Hashtag Entitlement Gap campaign to inform policy, upskill women and educate girls on addressing workplace challenges. It's lovely to see you again, albeit through the wonders of modern technology. I know where people say, oh, time's moved quickly, but eight years since we last did this, our program was in its infancy. Dunhumby was still quite recent history, but here we are and you've reinvented yourself. You've discovered this other thing that has really motivated you. Firstly, hello. I should have said hello. Terrible manners. Lovely to see you. Tell me about the female lead and we'll work around it because I just want to hear about why in 2015 you said enough. Well, first of all, Elliot, it's a real joy to be back. Honestly, I love talking to you and it sort of flies by. And that introduction was just sublime because, you know, it's so rare these days that people just say really lovely things and remind you, actually, you've been on a pretty long and intense journey. And I can't believe it was eight years ago. Absolutely amazing. A lot has happened. And I think to your question... You know, you step away from something big like Dunhumby and one, you're tired and two, you can't ever imagine doing something that is so much fun and so exciting. You can never imagine really getting there again, but it's addictive. And actually, after some time, after some time of doing things maybe that didn't work out quite so well, you suddenly discover a new lease of life. It's totally energising, totally exciting and completely absorbing. And it's a joy. And that's really what the female lead has become but for the me. But the outputs, the, the, the thing you're trying to achieve now with the female lead has a totally different endpoint, if we ever get there, to commercial endeavour. 
What, yes. and, and, and do you think, though, is, is the truth that it's very hard to achieve that sort of level of, if Maslow was here, he'd be talking about the hierarchy of needs, to really self-actualize, you really need money in the bank to be able to do that. And I don't mean that crudely, but you need that security. Is that true? Yes, it is true. And, you know, money in the bank gives you the freedom to do what you believe in. And the joy for me is the purity of the project. You know, it's not someone else's agenda. It's not sort of shoehorned into a different set of objectives that, you know, I mean, I'm really admiring of brands, but in the way you've just described Maslow's hierarchy, to go to the needs of human beings, to go to the very heart of that is a completely different mindset. And it took me a while because I was used to speaking corporate language and then suddenly you're talking about how people feel and what they believe in and what inspires them. And it feels like a very soft language in comparison with the language that I've always been involved in, which is sort of facts and figures and big data. So yeah, it was complete transformation really, but but fun. And yes, absolutely made possible by having a few bob in the bank and what a great way of using it because you know after a certain stage you have enough stuff i was going to say there was know, a, and, i always love the quote johan Cruyff said there's only so many steaks you can eat in a day and that that quote has stuck with me <laughs> and he was running them off I know, I was after say, having eaten if them he ate them he didn't look like he ate very many you talked about we touched on dunhumby and i said this i think in 2013 when I was starting in advertising in 1993, around September 27th, precisely my first day at an agency called Leo Burnett, I would tear bits out of the newspaper. And at that point in time, there was this article in the Financial Times about two people. And those two people, it was around ni- maybe 94, 95 by then. There was this noise happening about these two people and this thing called a club card and the use of data. We now hear a lot about big data. We hear a lot about, well, if you understand your customer, you two were really pioneers of taking what was a science that lived outside of the world of business and moving it, at least to me, into the mainstream. At that point, did you think you were doing anything other than your job? No, I did think we were just doing our job. You know, when you start in a role and it's your first role you're kind of like a sponge and everything you do just feels like the most natural thing in the world so here I was a geographer suddenly immersed in the world of tech and mathematics and simulation modeling and it was super exciting it it just became sort of like a new university where you were learning these fantastic skills and Also, the creativity of the moment just became a normal way of working. An idea spurred another. And the things I saw that were just made within a room by a few people, I think, live with me and have lived with me ever since, which is a few good people really motivated together can do just about anything if they've that impetus and desire to do it. And it did just become incredibly normal. And so when we eventually set up Dunhumby from this place, we just tried to hire the smartest people with that can-do, really positive attitude. And, you know, the whole thing just became the norm. We didn't realise 
just how brave and bold this all was. And of course, the other thing that people forget is Tesco was enormously encouraging. They needed something very different. They needed something bold. And they let us do it. And I mean, that is a very, very rare thing, as I know, having tried to do it again and again afterwards. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I wonder what, if you can remember, that the sort of the conversation or the pitch was. Did you say to them, listen, you've got lots of customers. We understand or we think if we capture some information about them, we're going to make them more loyal. There are ways of getting under the skin of it. Was it as simple as that? Or was it much more, did it circumvent A, B and C? I mean, I'd just be intrigued to know how they did, as you said, give you the space to just say, yeah, go mine. I understand what this could do for our business. Did they really understand? To be honest, they were the kind of company that never invited consultancies in. I mean, that was the, the start point. They had a thesis, literally a thesis, which was, If we reward customers, if we thank them for their shopping, we think it might make them bond them more closely to us. But it was a a hypothesis. The thing that meant they invited us in was that the technology at the time just couldn't hold the amount of data that they would generate. And so they trialed this idea. This was before we arrived. They trialed the idea of Clubcard and none of their IT people could hold the amount of data even for the test. And that was really our challenge. And we used kind of slightly maverick techniques, which are more statistical than mathematical, which was some of the data, some of the time. And by taking that approach, we completely revolutionized what could be done. You know, at the time, small technology, big idea, big data. So statistics won the day. And we got the job where no one else could do it. Stay with me for much more from Edwina Dunn, some of Edwina Dunn, some of the time here on Jazz FM in my Jazz Shapers Encore. And that's a really good point about thinking about the information at your fingertips to make sure it is the information you need rather than the stuff you don't. She'll be coming back in a couple of minutes. Right now, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Academy digital sessions, which can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Mishcon Dere's Victoria Piggott and Dr. Rebecca Newton, organisational psychologist and CEO of Coach Advisor, discuss the impact of women in positions of leadership and on boards. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. If you could see one change in businesses, organisations, in relation to women and getting women into leadership roles on boards, in the executive, what would it be? It would be healthier cultures because it is not enough just to have the women in the positions at all layers of leadership. We want to see that. You know, a lot of my client organisations have goals for 2030 of 50% women in leadership positions across the business. I'm concerned where they don't have clear strategies for how they're going to achieve that and it needs to coincide. So I think that's the the right thing to do is to have goals, um, to have strategies for how you're going to achieve those goals, and it has to coincide with what kind of culture changes do we need to make to leadership teams and to the organization as a whole in order to make sure that we see the positive returns of having women in leadership positions 
and that those women in leadership positions have a positive experience, that they feel that they are able to contribute and bring their best self to the organization, to those roles, to the meetings. Um, and to question why hasn't that happened before is probably a good way of, of looking at that if we're just doing it because we know that we need to now. Um, so I would say the biggest change that I would like to see is to make sure that there is alignment around healthy teams and healthy cultures, not just the number of women in these positions. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former Jazz Shapers and hear this very program again on the Jazz Shapers podcast. Or if you've got a smart speaker, you can ask it to play Jazz Shapers and there you'll find many of our recent shows. But back to today's Jazz Shaper encore guest, a pioneer of customer data science, it's Edwina Dunn, OBE. How nice is that to say that thing? She's the <laughs> co-founder of data science company Dunn Humby and amongst other so much more, she's the founder of the Female Leader Foundation, celebrating the achievements and diversity of women. You've said in the past, you said it just then, it's been difficult to replicate that again. I often think that the alchemy of the people on one side of the table and the alchemy of the people on the other side of the table and a bit of luck and the zeitgeist and these other things play their role. How much do you put down to luck and how much do you put down to being the cleverest people in the room? Well, yes, people say, don't they, that the harder you work, the luckier you get. I don't think it's completely that. I think timing is crucial. I think you can have a brilliant idea. And if the time is wrong for that to come to life, it just won't happen. So I think I learned that the hard way. I thought, you know, having created Dunhumby, I could just create something else because of just that force of will, wanting to, thinking the next thing, the next excitement. It doesn't work like that. It's The timing is really crucial and it is the alchemy part of it. I, I don't think you can force it. And, and in terms of timing, when you leave a business, when you say, I brought this baby into the world in 1989, when did you leave Dunhumby? Or uh, you, 2011. 2011. 2011. Yeah. So that's a fair old way. Yeah. It's now time for me to step back. And then after stepping back or refuse, you say, you know what, I'm now really leaving. How have you and Clive, or just you, decided when it's the right time to say, we're done? Because that's also very hard, especially when you are in the business of creating your own thing. So in the context of Dunhumby, we actually wrote three business plans, and we were going to exit after the second one. And in the end, it was the excitement of the next thing that we could see that we managed to persuade Tesco and Kroger and all the other retailers we were working with around the world. It was the permission to be able to do that that enticed us to stay. So we did stay longer than we anticipated. So in a way, we left exactly when we thought we would after the third business plan. And the ending, I think, was probably one of the best things we could have envisaged because we just went round the world saying thank you to everyone for about a year, having celebration parties, loving everybody in the team and just feeling overjoyed, fulfilled 
and truly happy. And I think that's a very rare thing where you sell a business and you don't regret it and you are hopeful for its future and you want it to be successful. I mean, I honestly couldn't have counted myself as luckier in that respect. Having said that, when you step away and all the adrenaline leaves your body, you feel really terrible. I mean, I I don't think people talk about that very much, but all that excitement and adrenaline goes away and, and suddenly you're just this ordinary person again. And you feel quite sad and lonely at the end of it because you've been surrounded by all these fab people who are really clever and really creative and you're alone. And that's when your mind kicks in. You think, oh, what else can I do to give me back my little drug of excitement and fulfillment? And that's what I thought about. The female lead obviously was one of the next incarnations, wasn't straight after Dunhumbia, as we know, the star count. But I want to ask you a question about being a woman for a second, because obviously the female lead is all about women in business and women and young women being able to achieve great things. You worked with your husband. You worked in male-dominated boardrooms, as have most women for forever. It has been this way and it is changing. Were you ever treated differently to the way you would have thought you would have been if you were a man? Which may sound a weird question to ask the person who is the figurehead and the founder of an organisation promoting women in life and in business, because obviously the thesis would go, well, of course, there's problems. But for you personally, Edwina, because I don't know that that would have been the case. Here I see this incredible person, forget gender for a moment, with more accolades on two pages (laughs) than most people have got in 15 lives and doctorates here and co-founders here. I mean, really brilliant stuff. And And it is nice to hear nice things. And you're right. And you deserve it. And 30 years is not fluke. But for you personally... Were there moments when it's like, okay, Edwin is a woman and therefore X happens? There are, Elliot. But, you know, I think for most people who've been successful and, you know, I have no doubt you have had moments where things have made you feel less than and they happen to everybody all the time. I think, you know, there's a particular female version. The one that used to make me laugh was when really serious people would come in, like really grown up men, very powerful jobs. And when I spoke, they'd put their head on one side. I mean, it was just subconscious and it made me smile. And the other one that used to make Clive and I laugh and we'd have little bets about it was I would say something in my funny, probably slightly quirky way. And then he'd say it afterwards because everybody would look kind of slightly paused and confused. And he would say it and they would all vigorously nod and say, yes, there is Clive Humby, the genius. And you learn to live with it. You know, if you don't laugh, it breaks you up. And I think a sense of humour is everything because we all face knocks. You know, people who want to take a little bit out of us, make us slightly less than we are. I don't know why, but it happens all the time. And it happens to men too. But I'm particularly focused on the manifestation when it comes to women. Obviously, the the case for equality is... Um, not one we need to rehearse here because it's pretty obvious that, that, that we're yeah. not there. We're nowhere near there on so many metrics. But for you, when you are now running this this organisation and you you did run Dunhumby, did you live up to your own expectations of what a leader ought to be like? No, I, I don't think any good leader 
ever feels like the finished product. I think we all develop really quite bad habits. And I think it's only having the kind of humility to hear other people's impression of you. Can you really learn that quite inadvertently you can do things that switch people off? I mean, sometimes I've been told I'm quite scary and I go, me, scary? How can that possibly be? But the reality is, well, perception is reality. And if some people think you are, then you just are. So I think all the time you have to adjust your language. I think the more powerful leader you become, almost the more careful and almost gentler the language you need to really communicate with. And it's something that takes you quite a long time to work out. Of course, making mistakes is is just a daily thing that you do. So no, I don't think you're ever the finished product. And from running an organization that was 1500 people, I now run an organization that's eight people. I mean, the female lead is only eight people. We are as lean as you can possibly be, but every person has their role, their expertise, their brilliance, and we cut across every age group as well. So it's a completely different experience. Stay with me for my final chat with Edwina, and we've also got a treat for you from Tito Puente. That's all coming up in just a moment here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Edwina Dunn, my jazz shapers encore and a super successful one at that. I've read before that you said in the era that you grew up, girls weren't expected to do much. And I don't mean in terms of business, at least there were certain roles. And my mum was in that camp as well. Whatever intellect level of intelligence you had, whether you're grammar or not, private school or not, you became a secretary or you did, you became a nurse. Yeah. And these are your words, not mine, though I've heard them many times before. Are you still surprised that that little girl called Edwina is now a grown up with two grown up children? more than a successful career, a trailblazer in the world of data, trailblazer in the world of women's rights. Do you ever go, but it's just me? Oh, yes. So much so. I mean, I always think I'm a great role model for someone who, you know, thought maybe I'm not a career-orientated person and, you know, I'm not particularly academic. And it just goes to show that if you keep learning, keep working hard and really throw yourself into what you're doing. No one's life, future and career has to stop. It can all continue. And I think that's really what my messages are always about. You don't stop. No one is imposing the end of, I don't know who you are, after school. You can carry on. You might not go to university, but you can carry on learning. You can carry on growing. And that's really my message. And that's what I've ended up with at the end of all of this. Had a fantastic career. Loved every minute. Well, no, not every minute. I've had some really tough moments, to be really honest. But I've mostly enjoyed it. And that's what I want to give back. That sense to girls that you know, don't let anybody else impose on you what they think you're capable of. 
and what's the best looking life and career for you. You know, just push through that and believe in yourself. And I honestly think the more we can show amazing girls, amazing women who through all sorts of challenges, all sorts of setbacks can become amazing in their own right. And that's really what the female lead in the showcase is all about. When does it not need to exist? At what point do you say it has achieved its objective? What is that objective? Well, you know, Elliot, I had a very moving moment this week when we interviewed a young boy and he was talking to a female Olympian, someone with a disability, and it made him so excited and enthused him. And I think the moment at which boys will name female role models as their heroes, their inspiration, that's when our job is done. Wow. I mean, let's hope that happens sooner rather than later. It's definitely changing, isn't it? I mean, just I, I, I do feel like the energy is changing. That said, there are inevitable, and you talked about difficult days, there, are some, there must be some seriously difficult days in the office now because your vista is slightly larger. It's society at large rather than the business and a set of metrics, which are more never manageable in a complete sense. But, you know, you're at the behest now of a whole bunch of forces which you can't control, but you can certainly influence. Yes. And I think, you know, I've thought very hard about this, you know, when we have these waves of anger and real hurt in society, you know, Black Lives Matter, you know, the the tragic story of Sarah Everard, you know, I think really hard about what is the role of the female lead. And, you know, my belief is not to be part of that anger, but to celebrate the girls and the women who overcome that and do something good from it that lasts and that can be shared with others. That, I think, is our role. We're not on the front line. We're not going to be the people who necessarily make that impact with the police or that whole communication of women's fear of being alone, walking alone. That's really, really hard to change. But if somebody can show a better way of doing it that we can all live with. That's what we want to talk about. And that's what we want to put in the spotlight. It's been brilliant talking to you again. It doesn't feel like eight years. I know we've met in, in the interim and had a, had a few chats as well. I'm so proud that you took this on and you've created this thing called the female lead. I think it's critical and I think it's making a difference. And just if you go onto LinkedIn today, you will find that there are millions of people literally millions of men and women following it, which from a standing start, Edwina, is yet another success, another startup success. So brilliant. Just before I let you disappear, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Yes, I have chosen Courtney Pine. He's the most fabulous saxophone player. I've always loved the saxophone. And I went to Ronnie Scott's and saw him there live recently. And he was just charismatic. So Honestly, I could have picked all of his early work and much of his recent work. But anyway, this is a joy and a pleasure to listen to. That was Courtney Pine with The Morning After the Night Before, the song choice of my business shaper here on this Jazz Shapers Encore, Edwina Dunn. She talked about the fact that no good leader ever believes that they're the finished product, that it's really important to have the humility to hear how other people see you. 
and that the more powerful the leader you are, the gentler that your language needs to be. All really, really good stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazz shapers.